Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. Well, I just love to say welcome to everybody who's out there watching, listening. This is season six of the Deepen Podcast with Pastor Joby Martin. So welcome back. Here we go. Uh, we picked a great time to start a new season because yep. we just started a new series in the book of Philippians. Um, my name is Jonathan Miki. Of course, I'm here with Pastor Joby Martin, and we have Pastor Ryan Stone with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. Yeah, it's good Come to be on. here. Long-time yeah, listener. First-time <laughs> first time caller. So, looking uh, forward to this. Get, this gets ahead a little bit in, in some other parts of Philippians, but uh, there's a lot of affection language. Yeah, man. And y'all have worked together a long time. There's there's probably some affection between the two of you guys. Talk about that. For sure. Uh, Stone and I met 100 years ago. He's 10 years younger than me or more? Yeah, almost every year. You, you <laughs> 10 get, years? You get, yeah. I always forget, man. Kids these days. Uh, try to run you down in August, and then by September, you're, you're running away again. Uh, yeah, I was I was a part of a ministry in Athens, Georgia, Go Dogs, and uh, I was like a speaker at it, and he was a small group leader at it. Mm-hmm. And we got to know each other there when you were, I guess, in college. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then when I moved to Jacksonville, I brought Stone in to speak the same event with the same ministry mm-hmm. organization and then hired him to be our middle school guy when I was running high school ministry. Yeah. So we've been partnered together for 15 years, longer than oh, that. It's about 20. I mean, when we met, I was 18 and you had hair. I mean, <laughs> it was a while ago. There you go. So we've been, we've, been, we've been doing it day in and day out for 15, but we met. Yeah. 20 years ago almost now. It's been a long time. You know, the mullet is coming back into style. So if either of y'all want to grow. If you go to Angie's Sub Shop in Jack's Beach, which I don't know if we're doing sponsorship on this podcast, <laughs> but this would be great. If Brought you go to my hair cuttery. <laughs> absolutely. There is a there is a mullet picture. It's like it's like where's Waldo, but it's fine Pastor Joby with a mullet. Uh, and uh Are you also there? kissing a bicep in there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you've seen it. I've, I've okay. seen you've been blessed. One. Yeah, so I've been very blessed. Um, all right, so we just started a new series, and uh, I'm curious, how do you pick which books we're going to study as a church for the year? The Lord, Vinky, the Lord. Well, I mean, you can't really go wrong if you That's just right. teach the Bible. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Um, man, because of the team that we have, uh, present company included, I get I get a lot of time to get to work on the sermons, not just week of, mm-hmm. but also t- several days that add into weeks over the year yeah. on praying and meditating and asking God what direction should mm-hmm. we go. And so this year, being the about abundant life, mm-hmm. that was the lens I tried to put on while putting together the the sermon series. Yeah. And so my mind immediately went to Philippians. I've said it, I said it tonight <clears throat> that Philippians has more joy per capita than any other book in the Bible. Mm-hmm. The words joy or rejoice are in there over and over and over. He'll mm-hmm. repeat it back to back, mm-hmm. repeat it in the same sentence. And then we know that Paul writes this from prison, probably Rome. And um, there's a lot to that. I mean, he's going to say things in this book like, 
Like I have learned the secret of being content no matter the situation. Mm-hmm. And so how could you have the how could you have abundant life? Paul seemingly is living out this mm-hmm. abundant life and he's he's not gonna leave this Roman jail cell. Mm-hmm. And yet he is full of joy. So that that's the ang- that's the lens by which mm-hmm. Philippians rose to the top for this mm-hmm. season. Yeah, last year we studied Psalms and the Gospel of John. Yeah. Was that last year? No. Nope. And, uh, well, recently. Let's say in recent years. <laughs> and the abundant life to me, you know, he's talking about being the good shepherd. And you you can't, I can't help but go back to Psalm 23. And when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right. That's what I, that makes me think of the secret of being content. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and the reason we studied Psalms for how many, 22 weeks, 24, mm-hmm. a long time, is because last year was the year of worship. Mm-hmm. It is the worship God in the Bible. So that mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, I don't want to just like teach aimlessly. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Word of God is going to do what the Word does, right? Mm-hmm. Isaiah says it will never go out in vain. That's right. However, as the shepherd, of the like lead shepherd of this place, under the chief shepherd who is Jesus, I feel like I have a responsibility to take mm-hmm. the flock somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I don't try to like be be like cute or kitschy or secretive about it. Mm-hmm. First weekend of January, I say, flock, this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. And then all the things we do, we're trying to aim towards that, mm-hmm. which is also the reason we're doing Proverbs this year. Not all of yes. it, but we're going to do an A-series out of Proverbs. We are doing all of James because I think there's a bunch of wisdom literature mm-hmm. in our Bible. And I don't care how much you love Jesus. If your family and finances and health is a train wreck, you ain't living the abundant life. Mm-hmm. So, same reason. Those those are the lenses by which I decide the series mm-hmm. that we're doing. Speaking of, I questioned, uh, so Philippians, James, we're coming back around to those if you think about all the way back to our days back at beach, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I think we did Philippians in four weeks the first time. We got nine this time. So right. when we come back around to the third time, who knows what it'll be. But um, you've told me this before of why coming, those were uh, early days coming out of Easter we would hop into books of the Bible, and you were super intentional on like we couldn't name the series. It was like no, call it Philippians. You couldn't the Book of Encouragement. We couldn't come up with anything creative. But why? Why? That's part of our DNA now. Right. But when when we made that decision, when you felt the Lord leading you to do that back in 2011, what was it that led us led you to going? We're just going to put our our you know anchor down in the Word. So we were a service at that point, not a church, um, but we were growing exponentially. And all the church growth experts said, what you've got to do is make the most of the momentum at Easter. And so whatever you do, everybody's going to come to Easter, especially in the South. And so you need to have a super sexy series right mm-hmm. after it, you know. But what they were selling was like a like a self-help, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like moralistic deism or we can fix your family. And that's what you should call it. Fix your family, you know, for three weeks or something like that. And I was just like, that's not what we're doing. We're just going to go verse by verse through books of the Bible. And so the biggest crowd we'd ever had, we'd be like, be back next week, and we're going to study a book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. That, that was it. Because I wasn't trying to draw crowds, man. We were trying to make disciples. Mm-hmm. Now, I want people, I want everybody's one more to come, mm-hmm. but that was it. We weren't trying to be cute and kitschy. We were just trying to teach the Bible. Yeah. What do you think has changed, like uh, maybe a generation or two ago, there was that appeal for the uh, self-helpy sort of serious title. And it seems like the time that we're living in now, there's an appreciation for just give it to me straight. You know, tell me what the Bible says. What do you think has changed to, to cause that 
appetite to be there. So I think the seeker has changed if there is such thing. The Bible says that no one seeks after God, so that terminology is not really good. But there are people that are putting their head on the pillow at night going, is this it? And they are looking. And church is one of the options. God is one of the options. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that person, fundamentally, I think they've changed. But our culture has completely changed. So I think the guys doing the seeker-sensitive movement where they're like, come on, we'll teach you how to have a better family, and then we'll connect it to God, and then you'll believe in God. Mm -hmm. Okay. Imagine what their church experience was like when they were growing up. Mm -hmm. They just thought it was lame, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They just thought there's nothing here that is applicable to my life whatsoever. Yeah. So I think the pendulum swings way over here to to kind of a show, man. It's a show and a TED talk, right? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, and I thank God for those guys. Mm-hmm. You will pick a guy, Rick Warren, that that broke through mm-hmm. the worship wars and knocked down the dress codes at churches and realized that it could be a place where you could invite your friend and they mm-hmm. wouldn't think you're weird or irrelevant, mm-hmm. right? And then it began to swing back, I think, and we, the three of us, totally take for granted what all those hippie Jesus movement people did for us. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have to fight over, you know, dress codes or music styles and all of mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But I also, what I think what has happened, especially with the rise of the internet, mm-hmm. you can get every TED Talk you want and all the self-help you want at a fingertip. <laughs> I think people <laughs> want an experience ultimately, man, they are searching for an encounter with the one that made them. Mm-hmm. And I think this, if this, if somebody, especially if somebody walks through the doors of a church, our church, mm-hmm. I think their attitude is like, all right, man, just give me the goods. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you actually asking of me? Don't trick me. I ain't got time for that. Mm-hmm. And I, I've shared this illustration before. Um, when I was in high school, the armed services folks were there recruiting. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Navy guy gave a pitch, which was like, come travel the world. Uncle Sam pays for it. Army guy gave a pitch. We'll teach you a skill. You make the most money when you get out. Air Force guy said, nah, man, come live nine to five in an apartment. You know, it's, it's the most like normal life. And then the Marine gets up last. The other guys had gone over their time. Mm-hmm. This was in my high school gym. Mm-hmm. And he looks around and he goes, that's fine because there's only two of you that have what it takes to be a Marine. If you're one of those two, come see me. Line out the door. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to do the other three, mm-hmm. by the way. I would like to thank all of our servicemen and women for Absolutely. all that they do. But that's kind of been my attitude mm-hmm. that, that like, I don't know if you have what it takes to be a disciple, you know, so go on a mission trip. You got three years to go. Mm-hmm. Study your Bible. Memorize verses. Let's go. And the other thing, we want to disciple men and women, no doubt. My view of church history is that women that follow Jesus have been doing a pretty dang good job since the empty tomb to today. Mm-hmm. Men got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. And men, everybody wants to be challenged, but there's particularly something in a man. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to know that he's needed and he needs an occasion to rise up to, mm-hmm. okay? And he will if you just tell him. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. And again, man, the women in our church have been unbelievable. I mean, most most of our disciple group people, women, most of our volunteers are stu- serve staff. Like it's it's weird. They have like done their job in a much better way than men. So a part of my aggression is to get men to stand up and act like men mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you talk about like you know culturally, 
you're coming in the 90s and you're going, I just need, like, there's maybe even a, a more genuine widespread belief in God. So you're coming and go, what is your God? How is he going to help me? Mm-hmm. And so you've got that shift in, like, our, you know, the kind of the starting point of the view of God. But there's also, call it the, the, the Google machine or what, there's just, um, you can get more information than you ever thought. And so, you know, if you if whatever your hobby is, like all of a sudden I'm sitting with guys drinking a cup of coffee and they're telling me about the origin of the bean and there's just a seemingly there's because there's so much information at your hand if you're going to get into something whether it's coffee or CrossFit or you know whatever right. there's a depth of knowledge that people just have more access to, you know, you don't have to go and and become a you don't have to find a guru somewhere. So I think people are showing up to church saying I can get all the help, you know, you said this, I can get all the tips and tricks, I can get all the like self-help guide. I want the meat here because, mm-hmm. you know, I know everything about macronutrients. I know everything about, you know, uh, bourbon or I know every, you know, I know everything about whatever Pinterest talks about. I'm not, I don't have a lot of women analogies here. They're going to be all bourbon and CrossFit and guns, but there's this, uh, I don't, almost an insatiable desire for, I want to get to the root of this thing in all of our culture. And so I think people are showing up going, hey, what's at the root of this? You know, so tonight, two verses, you, you get to the root of it. And at least me, I'm leaning in going, man, is, do we have to stop now? Like, let's, go, let's go another, let's just get one more verse in, you know? Yeah. You can't really presume that old way was like presuming some church attendance and some prior knowledge of, what's in the Bible and say, hey, let me tell it to you in a fresh way how it's going to apply. Right. I think now you can't presume that there's that foundation of knowledge. It's like, no, no, we need to, what you've heard might not even be the right thing, so let's lay a good foundation. Um, so speaking of two verses, the sermon is the first two verses of Philippians and called the greeting or the intro, and I'll be honest, sometimes I breeze past that. I bet you there's probably a lot of people <laughs> who just like you. who just like, yeah, yeah, Grace, Paul, Timothy, Grace, peace. All right, yeah, all right. Now let's get to the you know the first opening line. What? Yeah, now that we're through grace and peace and God and Jesus, <laughs> yeah. we can get started. <laughs> right, right, right. How, uh, how would you encourage folks, Pastor Joby, who would tend to like overlook that one? I know you talked about it a lot tonight, but. Um. Well, Paul's going to tell Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed. And I love the Greek there is beautiful, man. Mm-hmm. Theos neustos. Right. And um, there's only two things in all creation that are theos neustos, mm-hmm. and that's image bearers and the Word. It's mm-hmm. a really big deal. Mm-hmm. So there is a move now, and it's from some of the guys that taught us like how to reach people in genes, and they, they seem to be moving away from the authority of Scripture. Mm-hmm. That scares me to death. It's man. super dangerous. To move away from the Word of God is to move away from God. Mm-hmm. Let me just read you this, man. I, I, I'm careful about not not talking about my wife as if she's like the perfect angel. She's working on 40 days of devotions for Lent coming up, right? Mm-hmm. And she's on day, and she's doing the miracles. She's doing 40 miracles. And the idea is... We're going to study this. It's going to prepare our hearts, and I'm doing a series on miracles after Easter based on the next book, Anything is Possible. <clears throat> Just a text from her at – I saw it in between singing, and I'm just in case you don't know, on the third song, I have to run to my office and make sure, you know, do my last little prep, which means go to the bathroom, make sure my zipper's up, turn my microphone on, get my Bible, go. Mm-hmm. I get this text. <laughs> 
She says, now she, bro, she's neck deep in writing devos. And you know, y'all two know, mm -hmm. I've said this all the time, nothing will deepen your walk with Jesus like helping somebody else discover yeah. theirs. Mm -hmm. You want to know the Bible? Try to teach it. Mm -hmm. Try to put your name on a Devo. Like, try to read it and write some, th you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. yeah. Especially, she hadn't done a ton of it. So, man, she writes me this. Isn't it crazy how God speaks to us differently when we read his word? It brings me to tears sometimes as I write these Devos. All stories I've read before, none are new to me. But out of nowhere, I get hit with a word or a thought or a revelation that I've never had before. There is such a blessing that comes with studying the Word that you just can't get from routine or ritualistic reading, which is so much of what we do as Christians. I am so blessed by it, and I hope everyone else hears their own Word from God when they read these 40 days of Scripture. She has no idea I'm reading this to you. She'll find out Monday. And all I can say is it's God's grace. Mm -hmm. First of all, I had 14 seconds to get on stage and start the sermon. I'm trying to like hit it, mm -hmm. you know, like give her a text back, okay? And I've, I've told people this, man, you got to stay rooted in this word. Mm -hmm. And one of God's greatest graces in my life is that he gives me a sermon every mm -hmm. week. He does not owe me that. And the real teacher at 1122 is not me. It, mm -hmm. Jesus says, I'm going to send you a counselor mm -hmm. and he's going to teach us stuff. So I can expose you to the word of God. I cannot expose the word of God to you. Mm -hmm. Only the spirit of God can do that. Mm-hmm. That's what people need and really want, even if they don't have the words to it. That's what they want. Mm -hmm. So the the thing that I hear that edifies me most as a preacher is not that was a good sermon or I never thought about that way before. Mm -hmm. I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. The the People might not use the exact right words, but some version of my life has been changed. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what people want. Mm -hmm. It's incredible, like. The Word of God is incredible. Incredible. And the fact that you can read it your, what what feels like your whole life, you know, and then you read it again. I can't tell you how many times I read it. I'm like, have I ever read this book? <laughs> totally. Where was this? Yeah. You know, Dude, John 10.10? I mean, 10. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't see the word only for 47 yeah. years. All right. I just saw it when we rolled out 10.10 life. Yeah. Only? It's like, I mean, did that, did that just get put in there? Yeah, and, and you talked about tonight, you know, law and terror, grace and peace. Um, Paul becoming, you know, being the greatest Jew, re reaching, having the greatest impact on Gentiles, both the peace, which was a, a, a major Hebrew, like shalom, right. and grace being a very Gentile Christian. Way. Like, even in that moment, <clears throat> you're reading it and you get this realization that Paul is saying, from where I came from and who I now know, like the gospel is for all people, right? Mm. So I was saying about this as we were, you know, talking about this question and talking about like, you can just skip past those first few verses. And Isaiah 55, you know, uh, says, my word will not return void. It will do. It will succeed in, in what I intended it to do. And then <clears throat> if you take that next to Matthew 5, Jesus says, not an iota or a dot will be missed. An iota in the Greek or, or yod, yod in the Hebrew, he sees about this, literally the like smallest physical letter or the dot, you know, Hebrew didn't really come with, with vowels, which I think I would have done better if I had just grown up Hebrew instead of in South Georgia, because we didn't do all the vowels either. And um, so the, these, they, they had these little dots underneath these Hebrew letters that would signify like kind of the vowels. And Jesus, um, you know, one, in quoting a ton of Old Testament scripture, like you, you know, as you mentioned earlier, he's helping people who know the Old Testament n understand this new covenant. Mm -hmm. And as pastors, our job is to help people who to take the entire scripture 
and understand that it, it still points to Jesus. Whether you have, uh, whether you grew up like me in, in, in Sunday school doing Bible sword drills, I'll tell you about that one day, or you're you're showing up, you're listening, but maybe you're not even in church. You're listening to this podcast. You, you thought you were getting something else. You thought you're getting Larry Cable guy, and you got Pastor Joby. But <clears throat> whatever brings us here, like the word is still powerful enough to change that. Mm-hmm. And um, you look at these verses, and I don't know what the Lord's going to do through not only this weekend, but this sermon of two verses being available uh, in digital form. But every single word in there, God's God is telling us through Isaiah, through Second Timothy, through you know Matthew. He's saying these were every word was intentional, mm-hmm. and every word will succeed in in what. And these words are from God; they're His desire and His plan and His move to speak to us and to draw us near. Mm-hmm. And His promise is every single word you know of those two verses. It will not return void. It is not empty. Mm-hmm. It is not useless. But it is powerful enough to. Through his, his speaking of his word, it's powerful enough to do the things he intends it to do, mm-hmm. and it, you know, two 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 verses, and you're you're, you're walking out thinking, man, I, I I'm memorizing this verse now with so much more power, good grace and peace, and mm. like the weight of it yeah. is not just not just a memory verse that I get, you know, little, maybe get a little Snickers bar for. That might. My my growing up in Sunday school at Snickers Bar and my gluttony issue may be connected. I'm just connecting the dots in this moment. <laughs> so, candy. Yeah, I got a lot of candy. I know a lot of Bible verses too. I probably have an early oncoming heart attack to come with it. So I reject it. I reject it. Uh, so what we're talking about is the doctrine of Scripture. It's inerrancy, sufficiency, authority. Uh, let me ask a question. Like when I was when I was um, in my late teen years. I got a job working at a Christian bookstore. Sweet. Okay. And it was, I spent all my money there. And I was, I became sort of a Bible translation nerd. I was like, oh, look, check out this new one, or this one's, this one's a, uh, even more literal, you know, like they would come out there every couple of years, you know. I don't understand a word of yeah, it. This, this is amazing. This is more, this is more reader friendly, but that's the, this is more literal. Uh, so, w- what's your take on, understanding that every word is important and the fact that you can put a couple of different versions side by side and it's not going to say the exact same words. I mean, how does somebody reconcile that? Well, this is a pretty deep dive into of the theology of biblical translations, but there are different styles of translation and to know that is pretty important. Right. Man, I think the easiest readability is the NIV 84, but the under that is... They did not translate word by word. It was phrase by phrase, and it was about a sixth-grade reading level. Maybe that's why it's easy for me to read. Um, and so you're going to lose some stuff when you're trying to translate phrase by phrase as mm-hmm. opposed to word by word. Mm-hmm. ESV is closer to a word by word translation, and it's about a 10th grade reading level. And I'm going to tell you, the readability of the ESV sometimes will kind of like tongue twist you a little bit mm-hmm. because those those translators thought it was important to have the you know the structure of the sentence in a way to reflect how it would be said in greek versus mm-hmm. to use colloquialisms of today to make it more readable mm-hmm. for instance you know a bible some translations may say um I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters, da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay, so you, that's a theological decision that you're making if you add the word sisters. Mm-hmm. I think Paul intends the boys and the girls, the men and the women at the church reading this, this is for you all. Uh, 
It, just the word sisters is not in there. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't, if you're going to pick the translation as the word sister, you're making a theological decision. Mm-hmm. You know, I my my two cents were would be, I would pick the one that doesn't add a word that wasn't there, footnotes, and then at the bottom explains it mm-hmm. when he says brothers. It's like our constitution that says all men are created equal. It meant men and women. It was just the that's the terminology yeah. that was mm-hmm. used then. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you got to pay close attention to that. Then you'll get things like the message by Eugene Peterson, great guy. Well, I don't know him. He's dead, but he seemed like a great guy. I read his book, Pastor. Did you read that? I've not read that one. I've I read would. a bunch of them. I wouldn't. So <laughs> we are not being endorsed by Eugene Peterson. <laughs> well, he's dead. What's he going to well, do? He can't. Okay, so he, out of a— He's uh, not going to email you. Well, yeah, I know. He—so, uh, all right, so that is not a translation. It's an interpretation of the Scripture. Yeah. So I, it's not authoritative. But he's a super smart dude, and he was a pastor for 100 years, and he loved his people. And he thought it was a good idea for his congregation to try to translate the Greek into – I don't know if he did it straight from Greek. He may have gone, like, English. But, but he was trying to, in his words, interpret it into American is the way he would say it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to understand that is not a translation of the Scripture. Mm-hmm. It is an interpretation of the scripture. So for instance, I quote him all the time when I say, um, and the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That is not what it says. Mm-hmm. It says he and it and tabernacled among us. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think it's a I think it's what it means. Mm-hmm. It's a really good American version of how you would say that, but that's not exactly what mm-hmm. it says. Mm-hmm. I think the closer you can get to the original text, the better. Mm-hmm. And then you use study aids and tools or my sermons or whatever to help understand what it meant. The reality is, I think one of the main reasons people don't read the Bible is because they think it's hard. Hmm. And they read stuff and they don't understand it. Hmm. I think the best way to fight against that is to realize the promise of Jesus. Hmm. I'm going to send you a counselor, and he yeah. is going to teach you things. That's what he says. Right. Yeah. So if you read something, I'm not saying be a wimp about this and just take the easy route every time and be like, well, I don't know what that means, so mm-hmm. you don't want me. No. But however, you can let yourself off the mat and say, you know how sometimes, like we were talking about before, sometimes you read a thing, it blows you away. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you read something and it just doesn't, whatever, okay? If you can just put your faith in the Spirit of God for mm-hmm. your understanding instead right. of your own self-determination. Mm-hmm. Even Peter says about Paul's writing, that's pretty confusing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So don't let that keep you from this power that you have in your back pocket on your Bible app or folded up on your dashboard because mm. you hadn't opened your Bible in a while. Yeah. So a big part of what I try to do when I teach the Bible, I don't know who this is helpful for. I think some pastors listening to this, but a part of what I try to do is I want to teach the Bible in such a way, not only that people learn some stuff in the moment, but as important that they are inspired to love the Bible like I love mm-hmm. the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ever get around somebody and they love a thing and you mm-hmm. want to love it like they love it? Yeah. I think a I think a good Bible guy does that with people. Yeah. Uh, just brings me back to that earlier point. You know, the true teacher is the Spirit of God. And Jesus said, you know, so regardless of the different translation you might choose or you're, you know, loving it or understanding it. 
or how easy it is to say or read, you know, Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think you're going to find life, but they point to me, right. you know, so he is the word, the word become flesh. So uh, the word underneath these words, you know, this isn't Jesus, this is a book with paper, you know, so the word, he is the word, and this is like the window into, into the word. Um, but we need him to show us. I love that. Uh, so so uh, you explored a bunch in, in uh, sort of like, context of who Paul is, um, you know, and, and that, that goes back to what we're talking about with reading the Bible. Like, uh, one of the things that will kill your reading of the Bible is if you don't use your imagination. You don't, you don't have any kind of sense of what would that be like to be in prison or, mm-hmm. or who is this person, you know, curiosity. And so, um, you know, to this, to this group, he's talking to the people in Philippi, which is a city in the, I think, northern part of the Roman Empire, right? And uh, important economically, and he planted that church there on his second missionary journey, and uh, he wrote this from prison. So, why does it matter so much for for us to know things like that instead of just opening up and like looking at the words and being like, oh, that's nice, you know? Because if I write to our congregation from the spa at the Ponte Vedra Inn and Club. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Mm-hmm. Versus I got arrested on a mission trip mm-hmm. and I write to our congregation, mm-hmm. rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Mm-hmm. They mean two different things. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know where he's writing this from, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to understand the power mm-hmm. of him saying, yeah. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. Mm-hmm. I also think <clears throat> a part of the reason I wanted to like spend so much time on who who God used to write this letter is it's going to show up in every chapter of Philippians. Yeah, yeah. So like when he says make my joy complete mm-hmm. and here's how I want you to do it by having the same mind as that of Christ Jesus and he talks about just be choosing humility mm-hmm. That's going to mean more when you realize he was the best of the best, top of the class, most mm-hmm. influential. Mm. When, he, when he rolls out his resume and says, I, comp- I consider this all scubilon, it's going to mean more. I, I hope people can think about this week. Mm. Like he went to law school, he went to Pharisee school, he studied mm-hmm. in Gamaliel. Like, he, like what would that look like today, mm. you know? Mm. It's that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, and I think not only is it understanding the the man that God chose to write this letter, uh, but like as you think about this, the city. So you know, if you do a little study, there's it's an Augustan colony. So there's there's kind of a tax exempt. You know, it's kind of like living in Florida instead of another state. Like mm-hmm. no state's tax. You know, we got this figured out. It's on a major highway. The first person we meet is Lydia, who's like in charge of you know Purple Goods Incorporated. And so to your point, not only is Paul saying I've I've been in the be- the biggest and the worst and Later in Philippians, he's going to say, thank you for your generosity and understanding uh, for those, these people in Philippi, which if we want to be honest, kind of similar to most of us, incredibly blessed, incredibly rich, especially by world standards. And one of the things Paul is, he's encouraging them, he's helping them realize all the things you have, they, they, when we get to later, when the secret of contentment, that's not it. It's mm-hmm. Jesus. And... Um, you know, even for us as we're, you know, walking through 1010 life, it, it's a reminder to me that these guys were blessed not to be, as you say, the cul-de-sac, but to be a conduit. 
And so they're going to be fueling Paul's ministry, and he's going to he's going to tell them, "Thank you, I appreciate you guys fueling ministry." But that this it's this fueling that comes from the, being the blessing of it's honestly it's something they didn't do. They didn't be, they didn't make themselves a a Roman colony with and with less taxes. They didn't they didn't plan the highway to come by their city. But all the blessings that get that they receive, you know, the part of the encouragement is Paul's like Don't, be be a, be a conduit. And so when you're doing hermeneutics and doing exegesis and you're doing the study, which you do incredibly well every single week, whatever's true right now is also true back, you know, in whatever, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 AD, this thing was written. The truth is a truth. And, and your job as a preacher, and honestly, our job as, as Bible studiers, just as a believer, is trying to understand what was true when Paul wrote to, these, to Lydia and her friends. And it that that is still true today. You know, it's one of the best ways to, you know, wage war against you know the heres, heretics is like your modern day culture doesn't get to change the truth of God. Correct. The truth of God changes you in your culture. And so understanding who was it written to and when was it written and you know, there's other parts throughout the scripture where, you know, you read Thessalonians and if you realize this is a, a church that has experienced a lot of loss, people have died. And Paul is writing or writing to them in this heartfelt pastoral way of like, yes, your 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 loved ones sleep, but there's something greater than even this right now. Like, be able to even understand how do you fit in that context? How do you, how, what does it look like? I love what you said, like letting your mind find some of the imagination. You know, my family's been watching The Chosen. Uh, I feel like I should say that so people will think I'm a good father. <laughs> and um, the other day, I, I'm on I'm on Twitter, and um, I only follow two things on Twitter: uh, Georgia football, go dogs, go dogs. And, uh, and and preachers. Yeah. And there's this guy who has decided to go on this tirade about Chosen and how the chat. You know, the, the great the great chasm taught us that you can't have iconery. I'm like, bro, I think it's I think it may just be a what do y'all think right. about that? There's a, yeah. there are lots of preachers that say the chosen got it wrong because um, they'll either take a they'll take a specific example. You know, there is this conversation in the chosen where Jesus is telling a guy why he's not going to heal him, and somebody's like, "That never happened." And and it's right, man. It's got you know they're just kind of making up stuff, filling in some gaps, but they're mm-hmm. trying to stay within the guardrails. And then what they'll quote is Revelation: "Anyone that adds to or takes away from this word, may all the things in this book be heaped upon you." Mm-hmm. All right. And then there's a bunch of preachers that are saying that about the chosen. Mm-hmm. What say y'all? I have an idea. <laughs> now I don't know. I think that it's very strange because I was reading <clears throat> J.I. Packer, and he and he is he says you shouldn't have a picture of Jesus. You shouldn't have a film about Jesus for this reason. Like there's a there's a, a chapter in the book, uh, knowing God. And so I was like, wow, I hadn't thought about that. You know, uh, I think if you I think for things like that, you have to, it comes almost with a responsibility, uh, almost like a, you got must be this level of maturity to watch almost because um, it, you could say this about almost any Christian fiction or, or you know what I mean? Like I, I, in my Bible bookstore days, uh, what was big at that time was the Left Behind series. Mm, I was going to bring that up. Okay. And uh, I would not put these two in, in the, the same, same category. Well, hang on. Just. 
Nothing like future history. (laughs) Hear me out. Hear me out. Uh, I would get so concerned because people would come in. They'd just be like, I just can't wait to get this next book because they were viewing it like, this is going to tell me what's going to happen. You 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 want to tell them there was already a book in the bookstore that would at least tell us what we know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but it didn't have Kirk Kramer. Let me point you to these books over here, the Bibles. Uh, So I think if you don't have the discernment to realize that this is an imaginative interpretation that you cannot take a, take as authoritative, then it can be dangerous. So I think that that's true of the chosen. I think it probably illuminates a lot of things for people that are helpful and then some that would be not helpful at all. Yeah, my my eschatological man, I big words. Nope. Uh, my end times theology. There you go. We'll go there. <laughs> eschatological. Esca- there's. I knew there's an extra vowel in there somewhere. We've already discussed that. So when I, you know, left behind, uh, you know, a lot of questions there. Here, here's the crazy thing. My sister-in-law. That's how she came to know Christ. Praise God. She was reading Left Behind, uh, and felt the need to surrender her life to Jesus. And we had to fix some theological uh, views of the end times afterwards. But she knows Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, man, I, I do think if uh, it, my my stance on the chosen, I've already told you I watch it is um, we've read the Bible with our kids, and so we're trying to help their imagination grow. And my kids are going, oh, this is like that time in the Bible. And it's like, yeah, and let's just see, and let's go back to the scriptures, and let's see, you know, what what did artistic ability get in there? Uh, my my people had my people growing up. We had a, a really uh, a, a very large church conversation about whether or not we were allowed to see the passion because it was rated R. But we didn't have the conversation about whether or not you can depict Jesus on a cross. So mm. I, I, I hesitate to put my feet firmly anywhere because you've got a smile on your face. So I am pro the chosen. I think the guys that are critical of, it's not word for word. You could say the same thing of my sermon. Yeah. Totally. So tonight I said, can you imagine how how proud Saul's mom was when she found out he was valedictorian. That's not in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I was just, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees and he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. So I can infer from that he did good at it. Therefore, mm-hmm. I'm kind of making up some stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, right? Yeah. And if you're not smart enough to see what I was trying to do, then you should stick with the children. You need some extra help. Now, also the guys that are being critical, they do the same thing in their sermons. Mm-hmm. They say stuff that's not word for word. Why would you need to preach a sermon? Just read the text, read, close. Read, read the Sermon on the, sermon on the Mount, Mount close. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell what it means because it doesn't tell what it means. Mm-hmm. There was only one parable ever explained, the parable of the sower. Mm-hmm. None of the other ones are explained. So the moment you start explaining Luke 15, I think you're doing what the chosen is doing. Mm-hmm. You're putting a bunch of context around it to help people understand mm-hmm. what the words said. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the guys from the chosen, I think their hearts are just to share the gospel. And I think that they are doing their best to have a bunch of theologians and Bible scholars around them to help them get it as right as they can mm. without making cheese. You know what I mean? Cause, mm-hmm. So, I, man, I just don't want to be in the stone-throwing group that's always, right. like, trying to <laughs> trying to hinder everybody. Like, I mean, think about it. The number of times <clears throat> an event happened around Jesus— and one group of people looked at another group of people and said, you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. The group of people that got scolded are always lifted up by Jesus, and the scolders are always told you're on the wrong team. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the woman with the alabaster jar. You're not mm-hmm. doing it right. Mm-hmm. Think about the lame people that got healed. You're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. Think about the guy with the mat. You're not doing it right. right. 
And, bro, it's amazing. I mean, I hope and pray God would give me eyes to see the moment I get all pharisaical. Right. Because nobody sees it in themselves. Mm. So I'm pro-chosen. We're about due for a, a real good cheesy Jesus movie, though. You remember those, what's that church that did the overdubs of the Jesus story? Bro, that's, that's Tyler Jones' people. church, The Vintage. <laughs> bro, I... I watched some pretty cheesy ones as a kid. I just got to tell you. Oh man, that was hilarious. how about the David and Goliath cartoons? Oh, Have you yeah. seen that? Our friends at Saddleback made that. It's hilarious. Oh yeah, I've seen that. You know, we should go back to speaking of our 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 <laughs> our, uh, to our journey today. Our journey together. When we were doing student ministry, we were trying to figure out. We did a whole series on the miracles Bible. or parables or like stories in the Bible, and so we bought some GI Joes. We put the background, whatever the background of the story was, on a just a laptop, and Pastor Joby and I would just sit there with the GI Joe and hit space bar to like go to the scene. next scene, dude. And that was it. We would kind of ad lib it. We just did it one time. We were the a, chosen before the chosen was the <laughs> totally. Chosen. They owe us royalties, <laughs> bro. Our our students, they thought that was the greatest thing they'd ever seen in their entire life. I think it's the greatest. Thing I mean, ever heard we would have like this. angels flying. It'd be like yeah. Batman, though, you know, because like. <laughs> We got to the point where we were going to Toys R Us and trying to get the appropriate characters. It was, I mean, it was, oh man, we did it, man. Yeah, you had the, you know, fishing string with like a, you know. What are the chances we could, we could find one of those videos today? Tim Dornbrock probably still has them out there somewhere. somewhere. Tim, if you'll send them to me, bud. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So back to what we're talking about with context. Okay. So let's just say somebody listening is like, man, I'm not, I didn't go to seminary. What, what, what's at my, fingertips besides just googling it which maybe that's okay but what should what tools should i use to help get some more get you an esv study bible Mm -hmm. man and it's it's a bible where when you open it up it's like the top half is verses and the bottom half is footnotes and Mm. definitions and explanations. that's a really really great start if you do that and a little bit of bible gateway you've got enough tools Mm -hmm. To get you a long, long way. Also, <clears throat> shout out to <clears throat> Dr. John Piper and Desiring God. Yeah. It's an incredible resource. Virtually every question I can think of, you can do Ask John mm-hmm. on Desiring God, mm-hmm. and he gives you a whole bunch of answers, and there's articles there, that kind of stuff. Totally. Those three, I mean, they're, they're a lot. Yeah. If you really want to drop some bank, man, get you some Logos software, and it's got more I mean, I wouldn't have gone to seminary. I'd have just bought that. Mm-hmm. It um, even it even pronounces it for you. <laughs> Some of you need to use it. Yeah, <laughs> I, on the English words. But I will tell you, nobody knows how to say the words right. Anyway, right. I was listening to a thing today, and they're like in Thessaloniki, and I was like, "It's Thessalonica." There's no, there's no way they call themselves right. Yeah, I'd say uh, uh, the for sure the Crossway ESV Study Bible. Um, back in my day, and back when we were running that 1984 NIV, it was the Ryrie. NIV 84. Yeah. That, that's what we need hats. Instead of Reagan, Bush 84, we need NIV 8040. Uh, ESV, but that was uh, probably, it, as, long, as far as my personal, I'm sitting with the Lord, still to the day, one of the most um, formative parts of my faith is reading and going down. Because you got two things going on. You got some commentary that, you know, the Crossway ESV study by We Trust Those Guys. Uh, but you also have like the cross-reference text. And so whether you're doing it in a study Bible or you're doing it on Bible Gateway, when you get stuck, just read, just take every cross front reference. And you say this all the time when you're preaching, one of the best ways to interpret the scripture is let scripture interpret scripture. Correct. And so if you get stuck on something, just 
Find a word in there and just Google. What does the Bible say? Bible Gateway. Every verse on this word, grace and peace. And just somehow in that letting Scripture interpret Scripture, as you said earlier, even even tonight, the Holy Spirit begins to interpret things just by the the weight and the, the piling together of the Word of God. It illuminates. It is a light. It is a lamp. Also, Vicky, the way uh, I put together sermon series here is so when we do books of the Bible, what I intend to do, like if I was just left to my own vices, we would do Philippians all year. Mm. I mean, I just I just did an hour on two verses. We could do that the whole time. Mm-hmm. I could just do a sermon on rejoice, a sermon on the Lord, a sermon on always. Mm-hmm. I could, no problem. I would like it. I would love it. But by, the problem I think is by the time you got to the end, nobody has any idea what Philippians one says. Right. So the reason I try to do it in like, I, I want people. The idea I have is I want people to be able to like. I couldn't palm a basketball, so I know you could come from the age of three with your banana fingers. <laughs> but I want people to be able to like palm palm Philippians. Yeah. You know, where they have – that's why we did Romans the way mm-hmm. we did it. And I kept – like about every six or eight weeks, I would do a recap mm-hmm. that you could kind of get your mind around. Mm-hmm. I think it will help you understand it way more. Like mm-hmm. like the book of Ephesians, if you just know the first half is the gospel and the back half is the implications of the gospel, mm-hmm. you can understand Philippians forever. Mm-hmm. If you understand Colossians, that it goes from ground war to air war three times, mm-hmm. it gives you a framework by which you can palm it. Mm-hmm. And if that sounds new to you, it's because you didn't listen when we did those two books of the Bible because we talked about that, you right. know? Yep. Yeah, and, and part of what I'm trying to set up with Philippians is it is the gospel to his friends from jail. Mm. If you get this, then all the all the intimacy stuff, you'll be like, oh, they're friends, mm. and all the gospel and and secret of content stuff, you'll understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and if you want to go, if you want to get real crazy, R.C. Sproul has some great content out there on Ligonears.com. You can go out there and you can take an Old Testament survey from R.C. Sproul. May he rest in peace. Ligoneers.org. Dot org. Organization. But there are, the Ligoneers is a great, you can do a theology study. You can do a New Testament, Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have used it for uh, when we're taking guys through pastoral ordination here. We, we walk them through it and they come out of it and then we sit mm-hmm. in a room and, and talk about it. Yeah. So during this series, we're going to be doing some uh, scripture memorization. Um, and I remember doing that. You said you would get the candy bars. Oh yeah, man. for for memorizing yeah, verses. Reward behavior yeah. with sugar. Know, over you, you sugar. Uh, what what practices do y'all use that that are helpful to to help you hide the word in your heart? Yeah, I'm I'm old school. There there's all kind of great stuff, and and we just put out these really cool. Uh, Jessica Harrison just put out some really cool screensavers, so I'm going to try that one. But I've tried all the like apps, like Fighter Verses and all those things, and then somehow I go from memorizing the Word of God to checking on somebody's yards per game stat or something. So I just get distracted. But I'm old school, right? I, I'm going to write it down on an index card, put it in your pocket. You're bound to put your hands in your pocket for your keys or your phone, your, mm-hmm. and you keep pulling it out. So that's something I do. Uh, my wife Blair with our girls, uh, they do. I, there's probably you probably know the right word for it, but they have the cards where on one side it has the verse, and on the other side it just has the first letter of each word. Mm-hmm. And those are always on our fridge, and so that's the way that my, that my wife and our girls and really our whole family we've. You know, you have it up there for a week or so. You read it, you see it, and then you flip it over, and you got the first letters. And all of a sudden, you're it becomes this game of who 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 remembers it. And, mm-hmm. and so those are those are two. I'm a I'm a print guy. Every time I try to go to anything digital, I forget what I was doing. But mm-hmm. the index card in the pocket, 
has worked for about 38 years now. So mm. I guess probably 33. I couldn't read for the first three years. Man, I can't remember stuff like I used to. I don't know if it's just, I mean, I'll be 50 this year. Bro, I mean, my favorite songs right now, my old country songs, I know every word. Mm. I know word, I know songs to every, I mean, I know the words to every 80s song of the ones I didn't even like. <laughs> I didn't listen to NXS and YouTube when I was in high school. Right. And now I can sing, I'm like, I don't even know these words. And today, my favorite songs, I was like, I have no idea what the words are except mm. for the chorus. Okay, so there's a thing that changes. Mm. So the kid game and memorizing scripture is, and I, I've memorized a bunch of scripture. And the majority of it, I memorized in the NIV 84 because it was like my brain was a sponge then. I could read it twice. Mm. I'm like, I got it. Okay, mm -hmm. today it is different. Here's what I would. If I don't pray it, I'll never remember it. Mm. I mean, I mean, like, the the reason I know Psalm 1, I didn't memorize Psalm 1 until JP was born. And I never intended to memorize it. I just prayed it over him every night for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. Boy, it's just in there. Mm -hmm. If I start it, it'll just go. So... I like I'm going to this this for nine weeks, I am going to pray Philippians <laughs> one, two for our congregation. That's good. Mm -hmm. So and I hope that way there's like a emotional stick to it. Most of okay, I cheated. So it was my idea to do scripture memory during this series. And a lot of it because like if you underline in your Bible, you underline in your whole Bible. So you only have verses not underlined. If you underline in your Bible, if you're that kind of person, you probably have a bunch of them underlined in Philippians, you know, because mm -hmm. there's so many. I mean, there's so many like T-shirt verses. Right. So almost all of them that we picked, I already know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't have to memorize 214 and all that stuff. You got to move from the NIV 84 to <laughs> that, the well, ESV 11. If you'll notice, I stumble sometimes when I read because mm -hmm. I've got verses in my mm -hmm. mind from another translation and it mm -hmm. messes me up. So, mm -hmm. But the ones that I don't, man, pray them. Like yeah. pray them. And then if you don't memorize all of them that we're challenging you to memorize, it'd be better for you to have like three verses from Philippians prayed into your heart than it would for you to have memorized nine verses in your head. Mm -hmm. That's what I would do. Mm -hmm. Or if you get real desperate, like if if you do the, the Romans 12 thing, and you're not conformed to the pattern of this world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you take off the old, which are the lies of the world, mm -hmm. and you've got an addiction problem, you've got a lust problem, you've got mm -hmm. that kind of problem, yeah. and you transform your mind, and so you got Bible verses, the truth of God to stand on. Desperation will make it stick. But what you're doing is you're praying it again. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd much rather, again, man, back to Gretchen's text. If you, um, Every Pharisee had the entire Old Testament memorized. Mm. And they miss Jesus. Yeah. But if you, but the woman in Capernaum that fights her way to get to the hem of the garment, she knew Malachi 4. Mm -hmm. But she knew it. Like she, she was desperate to live it out and reach the, the edge of his garment. Yeah. I think it'd be better for her just to know that one verse than the Pharisees knew the whole Bible, but they missed him. So that's it. Pray it into like, till it means something. Do you have a preference on the digital versus print conversation, especially with Bibles or books or anything like that? Um, man, I've got like, I've got, right, I got a preaching Bible that's extra large print and it's got no, if it, if it was a study Bible, I couldn't carry it up to the podium. <laughs> it's like in the, 
beginning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's so, because I can't yeah. see, man. But I can't. But anyway, that's all right. And then I've got like one of these. I got like a journal Bible. It's got space on the sides. You mm-hmm. know, I don't do that one as much as I should. I do have a study Bible. Um, and then I probably use my Uversion app more than anything. Mm. Just because it's in my pocket, it's, mm. uh, you know, just yeah. so it kind of depends. I, I'm i not real big on getting, just do whatever stirs your affections for the Lord. Right, right. Like all of last year, I had the Bible read to me. I did not. I, I opened the physical pages of a Bible to study to write sermons, but in my quiet times, I did the read the Bible in a year thing. And had it read to me. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason is because, I mean, I've read the Bible a lot. I studied mm-hmm. the Bible a lot. If I look at the words on the page, I'll see a word that intrigues me, and I'll go down a rabbit hole, which oh, yeah. is wonderful to do. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this year, I have not decided exactly what my Bible read. I've been reading Mark. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Me too. And um, and I... So I don't know why I'm doing that, <clears throat> but I I wanted to just have it read to me, and I not and I can't stop it. Like I'm kind of doing the opposite of what David says. Sometimes you do need to meditate on the word that way, and then I think sometimes big chunks mm-hmm. is good too. So mm-hmm. just whatever it is, man, just keep mm-hmm. just there's there's lots of different ways. Find the one that stirs your abide, helps you abide in Him. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I would suggest. I got I got one more uh, throwback. Brotherhood, my, my Paul to this Timothy story. So when we, uh, it just made me think. When we, when we were getting ready to launch a church, we we prayed and you know we're like, hey, we're we're going from the NIV eighty four to the ESV, and we we a lot of conversation, and uh, so we just I went and was able to buy Pastor Joey a Bible and write a little note in it, and and he took mine and wrote a note to me, which is actually a pretty cool. Uh, when you come on <clears throat> when you come on staff here, you get a note a, a Bible with a little a note in it, and. We were at a Acts 29 pastor's conference and they had the Crossway had all the really nice Bibles set up. And I was like, Blair, I think it's, I think we need to get Pastor Joby another Bible. And Blair walks over and goes, this one says extra large print. I think this would be the next Bible for him. So we wrote him a note saying, you've been doing a good job preaching all these years and we're afraid you can't see your Bible anymore. So continue in the word, brother. That is true. So. And our tech team puts a spotlight right over my table just so I can read it. Yeah. Dang. Hey, it's coming your way too, young people. <laughs> Anytime you start calling people young people, you know you're getting old. People keep getting younger all the time. What is that? Um, all right, so to this week, this first week, talking a lot about the introduction. So for those listening who want to prepare for this dive into the rest of the book, what would you say to do, you know, to get ready for the journey? Man. So it is my job to be prepared. It is. And by God's grace and the generosity of this church and our team, I get lots of time to prepare Mm. to be like the sower that goes out and casts the seed, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I cannot control the condition of the soil that it lands on. Mm. So Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you. That's a pretty broad promise, man. That word abide just means stay close. This is John 15. So do those things, man. Come to church prepared. Mm. <clears throat> he says, if you abide in my word, I will abide in you. So yeah. it, it it's pretty easy to go online and see what the next sermon section is. 
pericope is what that is called. Mm. <clears throat> so you could go read over that a few times, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know you got a Bible reading plan, and I know you've got all that, but <clears throat> if six times before the next time you come to church, assuming you come weekly, which I know all 11, 22ers do, um, you just read over that passage, then you will bring some of your own questions, some of your own ideas. Mm-hmm. I think what will happen is that the Word of God will be like a tiller that will till up some of the hard or rocky mm-hmm. places or weed it up, thorny mm-hmm. places in your heart, and you'll be more ready to to encounter God mm-hmm. in the sermon. Mm-hmm. Here's what I always, I mean, I see this every year. I go on a mission trip, and I get somebody to speak at the end of the mission trip, and they are not a preacher, and they're, or they're not, I mean, it's just one of us, not us, us, but like somebody on the trip. <clears throat> I'm like, hey, why don't you share? Well, and or they preach at a church or whatever. And our people are like, oh my god, that's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. And I'm like, no, it's not. It was it was below average at best. But the difference is, you've been coming to church with a rocky heart because you hadn't been on a mission trip all week. You've been doing God things, singing God song, been around God's people. Woke up every morning, did a quiet time, served God's people, and now somebody throws a little piece of popcorn and it takes root in your life like crazy. Mm-hmm. So. 1122ers have a responsibility to show up mm. in the best heart condition they can possibly do. Now, sometimes things happen in your life, and yeah. you come as you are. There ain't no doubt. Mm. But I would do that. Whatever it, whatever it means to you to abide in Christ, a way would be read the text that we're going to preach before you get here. Don't mm. be surprised when I say open up your Bibles to, chap- to Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Mm. That's where we're going to be next week. Read mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think if you – so you're reading the Word, you're in the Word – um, if you're not in a disciple group, you, you I, I very rarely say you should because I think you should's a little bit aggressive, but you should be in a disciple group. To be in a group of people that practice um, con- prayer and confession and reading the word, there's there's just this thing of, of being authentic with a group of, of guys or, or a, a mixed group or a group of women. Um, but I, I get to spend uh, most of my weekends down at St. John's, uh, the little campus down there. And one of the things that I have realized is there's just this very practical thing of um, people who are rushing in, it takes them a minute to get into the space. So if you're, if you're rolling in at, at, we don't have a 922, by the way, it's nine. Uh, if, you're, if you're rolling in at nine, 905, and you're checking your kids in, and you're rushing in, and it's the third song, and um, we, we, one, we don't sing to, like, it's not the opening act to the sermon. It's it, the whole thing is a, a, a gathering of worship, but there's this practical thing to, if you, if you show up early, get your kids settled in, get in the room. If you're, if you're an introvert, sit and pray. Or if you're an extrovert, enjoy God's people, lean into the songs, sit, sit up front, lean in. And then by the time you get to the preaching of God's word, you're so ready. And then I would say linger afterwards. Like find some conversations from, you know, one of the things you hear a lot in our culture and society is how hard it is to connect. And the church is a really easy place to connect, at least around this. We're all at least here for the same reason. Yeah. And so the, the lingering, the hanging out, uh, if you want an analogy, you know, I, I, I love CrossFit. I love lifting weights. Um, Obviously. Even when I was like, even fat stone days, back, I used to be 290, 290, you know, 298. I was lifting weights to maintain that, you know? You never hit three. You had to hit I three. I had to hit three, but I, I don't think I looked down that day, you know? <laughs> you just, <laughs> just, I just try to hold just out right before it, you know? 
But if you're you're heading to the gym, if I can get there 10, 15 minutes early, stretch shoulders out, be be ready to go, it's just a better workout. That's true. And then honestly, when I'm there 10 or 15 minutes early, I have a better workout. You know what? I want to hang out a little bit and I want to encourage the next class. And um, it's the same thing with church. If I can get there and, you know, Mm. whatever, if I can stretch a little bit, before yeah, we right. get at it, it's just it's just helpful. Yeah, to say that succinctly, I promise you, the more you sing, the more you'll get out of the sermon. For mm-hmm. sure. I promise. Yep. And do what the song says. Yeah. It says, I lift my hands, pick your hands up. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. do the thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hallelujah means to jump up and down and turn in circles. Yeah. Do it. It is amazing how how much power we have over the preparation of our hearts. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, find the text that I was thinking about. There's a there is a text and he's talking about vessels of honorable use and dishonorable use. And he says, purify yourselves so that you could be a vessel of honorable use. Where is that from? Romans nine. Okay. Uh so when I last time I read that, speaking of the way the word hits us in different ways, I was like, wow, he's telling you to do something that could actually change the way that you are used by God. You know what I mean? So it's like we have this ability to come into service, not just haphazardly with our coffee, like, well, where are we going to lunch, you know, but like thoughtfully, prayerfully prepared. That's a really good word. I like the stretching analogy too. Yeah, that's good, man. Good job. And by the way, St. John's campus that you are the campus pastor at, <clears throat> I was there last week. Man, what a great, what a great facility. Moved into the gym. I mean, it's incredible, man. Let's Our go. people, yeah. <clears throat> I don't get to go to all the campuses often, you know, maybe once a year or something. Mm-hmm. And did a little tour last weekend. Man, our people are just incredible. It's awesome. I mean, the lives that are being changed, the it's just incredible mm-hmm. to hear the hear mm-hmm. the stories. And yeah. that happens not because we've got some kind of amazing staff. It's because of the word of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Paul says in Romans one, the power is in the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's the only yeah. thing that has the, the ability, the power to change somebody's life. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, because you see it and then I mean, you talk about the campus I'm at, like there's a lot of generosity that goes into us being in a gym, both generosity of, of money, you know, it costs money to rent people's gyms, yeah. Uh, but also generosity of uh, of time of people that are coming in at five thirty and setting up and staying until two thirty, three o'clock to to tear it down. And uh, <clears throat> one of the things we started doing very early on is our huddle at five thirty a.m. is a time we we just pray for about five ten minutes and we say, hey God, this this was a gym, it's a high school gym, so. Sometimes we need to cast things out, but uh, we we've we the reality of, of of our setup team. I'm like, you're the priest in this moment. You're a priest biblically. First Peter tells us that, but you're a priest, and it is your job to pray and consecrate this place yep. for what God's about to do through the power of His Word. And the Levites, I mean, that's what they did. They took care yeah, of the place, literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited about this this journey through this book, and one thing we've one of the things we've talked about quite a bit in our conversation here. Is how we need God to guide us and be our teacher. So why don't we close and uh, you say a prayer for us as a church that we would be attentive to the voice of the Good Shepherd. And yeah. Can I say one thing before you pray? Sure. Uh, as I read this, one of the things that stood out to me tonight was Paul said, Paul and Timothy. Yeah. But I don't think Timothy wrote much. I think Timothy was just <laughs> in, in shackles, right? And so, man, just thanks from, from where I sit that I think there's probably times you say me and Stone, and I don't really know if I did that much, but I was sitting next to you. And so, man, I, I appreciate you. I'm uh, inter- I'm indebted to you for a long time. We've been doing this for a long time. And, and I just, you know, to all the whoever's listening to the podcast, uh, when I read Paul and Timothy, I often find myself t- tender and really 
tearing up sometimes. You even have read Paul sometimes where he says, I, I think about you and I want to greet you with brother a kiss. And if one of you do that, I always think, I think I can. I think I'm the only one that can go do this. And uh, man, I'm, I, I'm very, very thankful. I was just a young dude with not a lot of skill or talent. And you you asked me to be a part of your team at Beach and be a part of this thing. And so, um, man, I, I just wanted to, in, in a way to honor you, say, when I read Paul and Timothy, I think, man, I think there's probably some times where, where Joby probably says, well, me and Stone... <laughs> Um, not just when we were at the dog tracks, making me feel uncomfortable, but man, I'm super thankful for getting to be um, to you what Timothy was uh, to Paul. So thanks, brother. Man, my pleasure. I mean, one of God's great graces is being able to do this with your friends in the same place mm-hmm. for a long time. And by God's grace, if you'll let me, I'm going to just keep doing it here with my friends until, you know, for at least another 20 or so years. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to keep stay serving the church even after that. But man, even if you just look around our staff and some of our most significant deacons and volunteers, how many of them grew up in our youth group together? Yeah. I mean, that... that, that that's the heart behind Philippians. So next mm-hmm. week, you want to get ready for next week? So start in verse 3. And if there are not people that you remember day and night in your prayers, mm-hmm. then you're not doing the Jesus thing right. Yeah, with yeah. joy. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thanks that you inspired it, that you breathed it out, that you carried men along by your spirit to write it. Thanks that it's authoritative. Thanks that um, it's lovely and it's beautiful. Mm. Thanks that it, it brings life Lord, um, thanks for preserving it. Thanks that we live in a time and a space and a place and with the the technology that we have, that, God, we can access it all the time and forgive us when we take that for granted. God, thank you for the men and women that have literally laid down their lives so that your word could get to us. And so, Lord, may we be people of the word and that as as we abide in your word, we would abide in you and you would abide in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> the end. You nailed it. <laughs>